0: It's the most number of pages in the out of service criteria is dedicated to air brake systems or braking in general because they throw hydraulics into and discs. But there's a lot of potential stuff there, and uh, you know it's. And I, I'm going to beat up on my former profession a little bit. There are times that maybe officers don't explain perhaps enough to a driver. Hey, here's the reason your truck's out of the service. I found this. I found this. I found this.
1: Perhaps more likely, as former DOT inspector Andy Blair implied there, did that officer just hand you the inspection report and send you down the road or to the parking lot with that out-of-service treatment with nary a word? I can't say that's any kind of norm, but it wouldn't be the first time I'd heard such a story. It's certainly true. Brake Safety Week is just about here. If you're listening on the release date for this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, August 20, 2021... The event set to get going Sunday, August 22, and run through Saturday, the 28th, and inspectors all around the nation will be hopefully putting more outreach into their focus on air brake systems, as Andy Blair hoped for in that clip of a long talk we had earlier this week, specifically about the out-of-service criteria when it comes to brake adjustment violations, among the most common of brake violations. I'm Overdrive Editor Todd Dills, and since we hooked up with Blair this spring for a refresher on lights and hours out-of-service violations, we've been Looking ahead to brakes for a few reasons. There's a 20% rule, which says that if 20% of a truck's brakes are out of adjustment and in violation by a certain amount, then the truck is to be placed out of service. That could apply to the tractor alone too, or just the trailer, or in combination. Yeah, it gets complicated.
0: It takes a lot of years of dealing with this to understand it, and I do try and explain it to, when I was an, a DOT officer trying to explain it to drivers. Well, this is the 20% rule, but this one isn't. Right. So, and you know, when right. you have a mechanic come out, okay, what do I need to fix? So.
1: And there's a lot more to
0: it than just adjustment. There's so many potential violations in that whole air brake system. It's not as simple as brake adjustment.
1: And for all the rancor around stepped up enforcement that these CVSA Blitz events throughout the year engender, at Bedrock, for any owner operator, we're talking about possibly the number one most important piece of equipment on the truck, as Blair put it.
0: And on top of that, your brakes are kind of what you really, really, really want to work. You really want to have a good system and you really want to keep after it. And if it starts to have some issues, you want to get it taken care of because a good braking system perhaps is the difference between coming to a nice stop or not being able to stop and rear-ending somebody in a big truck.
1: Understanding the out-of-service criteria can be a very useful tool in preventing that particularly onerous adverse outcome of an inspection. Shut down until the problem is fixed. But to understand that is difficult if you don't have a copy of the criteria, only available for purchase as most of you know though price of the handbook has fallen markedly in recent years, and CVSA also has a smartphone app version that's fairly affordable as well. It's all well put together and pretty clear with its illustrations and everything else, as Andy Blair would have it, though it's not exactly riveting reading.
0: If you're not familiar with it, it's like getting a I'm old. I'll do the old school version of it's like opening a phone book and intending to read it for enjoyment.
1: Knowledge of it, though, can be key to filing challenges to out of service orders that were not warranted.
0: And I look very closely and and I'm certainly one to admit there are times I have found things that um, that's not out of service. I mean, it's in the right neighborhood, but, you know, that 20 percent standard hasn't been met. You know, how far out of adjustment was the brake? What was the brake type and style? A lot of right. things come into play here, and I mean fair's fair, if if a person's out, they're out. But I just want to make sure that it was done properly, and if it's right. not, you know, I'm game to file a challenge on something like that. I've filed 25 challenges in the past few years. i won 20 of them, and the other five I should have won.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. why we brought Can't on Andy Player today, in hopes of at least getting some of the information contained therein further out into the public eye. He was kind enough to detail the adjustment portions of the out-of-service criteria and walk us through some of the rest of the component-related infractions that can shut a truck owner down. Along the way, he'll offer thoughts on maintenance practices garnered over decades of experience in enforcement and almost a decade with a large construction outfit and consulting independently.
0: You cannot fix a brake adjustment issue by simply adjusting the brakes. And, and it mm-hmm. lasts. I, I compare it to a very slow leak in a tire. You can pump up a tire, and it may hold air for a while, but you're gonna have to keep pumping air because yeah, it's gonna fix it. Loose. And yeah. once slack adjusters stop doing their job, the only cure is to replace it.
1: You'll hear tips for detecting airline leaks, out of service worthy if they're not in a connection.
0: I literally use a piece of uh, rubber tubing about two or three feet long, and I use it like a stethoscope. And I put it up to my ear and I poke it in because sometimes, I'm telling you, those leaks can be very hurtful.
1: And there's more where that came from. Before we hand it off to Blair to dive into some of his history to start, though, here's a quick word from Overdrive Radio sponsors.
0: Synchrony Car Care is a robust program built for your business and your customers. We offer drivers a way to pay for the services and parts they need today, but there's so much more to Synchrony Car Care. We treat your customers as an extension of your brand, and we don't take it lightly. We're committed to a simple application and fair terms. Let us help drive traffic and drive success for your business.
1: You can find them at synchronybusiness.com slash car care.
0: First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner operators done right, as we've done for more than 80 years. We provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to FirstGuard.com. That's one stguardcom First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Uh, My name's Andy Blair. I am from York, Pennsylvania. And at one time, they made the York peppermint patty here. So there's our claim to fame. They don't anymore, (laughs) but there was a time. Um, And so born and raised here, I uh, grew up here. I went to, uh, after high school, I really, you know, didn't want to go to college. But I did not want to become the head French fry maker at McDonald's either. Nothing against (laughs) French fry makers. Uh, but the US military will take you when you're 17. And so that's what I did. I went in the Air Force. I did the military police thing for uh, four years. I was fortunate enough. Uh, many people's parents helped pay for my all expense paid <laughs> trip in the four years of the military, including going to Korea and uh, Montana wow. and Korea and Germany. And so I got to travel a bit. I came back. I did actually drive a non CDL truck for a couple of years like a delivery type vehicle. And then I did get hired as a police officer in 1986. And I was a police officer from 86 to 2012. Okay. And during that time, I did a little bit of everything. a patrol officer, I was on the SWAT team. Um, I got into motor carrier enforcement. I was certified as a DOT officer, cargo tank, hazmat, advanced accident investigation. I did get my CDL back when I was still an officer, although it was just a B at the time. Okay. DOT officers are not required to have CDLs. Right. Um, I mean, it's beneficial, but it's certainly not a requirement. Um, so I I progressed through the department and got promoted a couple of times, and then I left in um, the end of uh, end of 2011, beginning of 2012.
1: You were with the state uh, police? In no, actually,
0: I was with a municipal department uh, in Pennsylvania. Municipal officers are. Uh, permitted to do full DOT. They just have to go through all the state training, which I did. Okay. It was actually conducted by the state police, even though I was not a state officer. Yeah. Um, so I had every bit of the same power and authority as any trooper as far as roadside DOT and Worth, which yeah. I did. And much to the chagrin of a lot of the waste haulers in the area, uh, we <laughs> had a large landfill here. And let's just say I practiced frequently at the landfill. And um, a lot of those companies... I became their maintenance program and I would call them and say, you guys need to work on some things here or, you know, you don't want me to be your maintenance guy. Um, so, uh, I, I did that for a number of years and, and I left in 2012. I proceeded to, I took a position with a large construction company, uh, 1800 employees, about 1400 trucks of all shapes and sizes from the, the smallest to the tractor trailers and everything in between. And then uh, at the same time, and I am the fleet safety director with that company, but I have the flexibility and freedom to maneuver my hours and do things. I also started my own company called DOT Safety Checkups, LLC, and I do things uh, separate from my day job, which I do consulting and training. Um, I am a CDL third-party driver examiner for the DMV, so I do the CDL testing, although I only do that here within this company as we're not open to the public, but we have 22 other companies that they own. So within that 1,800 employees plus 22 other companies, uh, I can meet their standard for getting the minimum required test and to keep my certification. So I do the full class A or B CDL testing. Um, not easy.
1: Right.
0: Uh, no gimmies. Uh, we do not hand out CDLs. you got to work for it. And uh, maybe some of the guys that have been out in the road for a while might think it's gotten easier. Maybe in a couple of respects it has. But there's also some things that the the new people have to do that the the road dogs didn't have to do. So uh, it's not a a walk in the park. I've probably given about 30 tests this year so far. And I would say the failure rate, at least for the first time, and they get three tries, is about 40%.
1: 40%
0: failed the first time. Most of them came back and passed a second time. So with my own company and I do this on the side, I do uh, everything from uh, C- I do CDL training. Um, I can't test for those people, but I can prepare somebody for the test since I do give it. Um, defensive driver, which is what I'm doing this coming weekend, I'm going to a company in Colorado doing a full day of CDL commercial driving, not just general commercial driving. Uh, accident response. I I respond to accidents for some some companies that have me do that. They just want someone else there to look, you know, for their best interest and haven't been an officer and haven't been to many, many accidents over the years, fatal and non-fatal alike. So I do respond to accidents and I help with data cues and just a lot of just general questions. People don't have... um, you know, they just don't know the regulations and, and perhaps they should, but not everybody knows everything. Right. Uh, I don't, but I've spent enough time in the regulations and the out of service to become pretty well-versed. And that's just a matter of time and investment of time in, in knowing it and then trying to keep up with it, which is another challenge. Sure. Um, that's why we've got you
1: here today, obviously, of course. And, um, those uh, those out of service criteria I know are um, like you like we like you said earlier, not available uh, or, or not just out there in the regulations, and you can't just look them up online uh, unless you um, are a subscriber to the the CVSA app that they have now, or you own a copy of the book, right?
0: Every year that new a new book comes out for the out yeah. of service, and uh, there are changes from year to year.
1: They're not a lot
0: usually, but they are there, and uh, you can't rest and take a break and say, "Well, that's it. I'm good." Uh, I even keep the old books because, in the in the uh, likelihood or unlikelihood, I have to go to court. You know, the the book that was in covered that particular time period is what counts, not the current regulation. Right, right.
1: If you're looking <laughs> at the current one, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, like, was this in here back
0: then? I think, but I'm not 100% Correct. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had to do the same thing as an officer with, you know, when they would enact new laws, you know, right. the date right. of this offense and, you know, was the new law in effect yet or, or not. Right. Uh, and even the, the, the general trucking, the DOT regulations do change from time to time. Not too much, you know, right. and when they do change like the hours of service or the air mile radius, that was well publicized. Yeah. Well you I do. think they did a pretty good job. If you didn't know they moved the one hundred to one fifty, you've been living in a cave. If you're at all involved in the commercial world. Right. Um maybe this non-CDL people aren't so much up, but they got the one fifty anyway. It's yeah. just the CDL guys that got bumped to a hundred.
1: Yeah. But the out of service so, yeah, the out of service criteria don't really I mean, we kind of pick up on them, but they don't. When when they change, they change in these small ways, you know, and uh, right. And they're, I, they're not publicized, so yeah, I think. It's I a, literally,
0: when I get a new one, I put last year's next to it, and I go through it page by page. Okay, And I look for the differences and then I highlight them so I can, you know, easily tell, hey, and some I can pick up one. It's a job. It's a challenge to to keep up. And I do. I always get the new books and the latest and greatest out of service. I pre-order it. So, you know, I get it as soon as I can because I do use it here in my day job um, because I get a lot of phone calls from the 22 companies that, that I'm involved with directly here that I'm kind of it. I'm the person they're going to call and ask questions. What about this? What about that? You know, I get the, do I need a CDL? You know, when do I need a DOT number? When do I need a medical card? Some pretty basic stuff. But, but I understand if you don't live and eat and sleep and breathe in it like I do, it's, it's, you don't really pay attention to it until you get pulled over and you're told you're in violation and you had no idea
1: so this so we're looking at uh breaks this week because we've got the uh, Brake safety week inspection uh event coming up next week and uh, uh makes for a good opportunity of the week in advance to just kind of do some refresher type um content on breaks one thing that we don't have is this kind of close look at the out of service uh violations um and you have you've put together for me a um look at adjustment in particular and what the Outer Service Criteria Handbook says about this. Explain it to me if you can. It's all about the 20% rule, I think, across the board when it comes to adjustment.
0: Correct. When you get into the adjustment. So, you know, brake adjustment. um, You know, pretty much every truck on the road today has automatic slack adjusters. Right up there with sliced bread uh, and the Mac machine. Great inventions. Not infallible, and they do a good job. Uh, automatic slack adjusters do need regular maintenance. And if they don't or not maintained, they will prematurely wear out. And yep. then what happens is, and I've stopped many drivers, said, hey, you got some brake adjustment issues. And they say, I have automatic slacks, so I'm good to go. I said, well, not so much. So typically when, you know, it's, I've even seen trucks that weren't required to have them and they added them, which yep. I think is a good thing. So. I can't recall the last time I saw a truck of any age that did not have them. So it's, you know, there may be a logging company up in the mountains that doesn't have them, but, and using some old trucks. Uh, And and there's some actual CDL test questions that are current that go back to the pre-ABS, pre-automatic slack adjuster questions, even getting into alcohol evaporators, which... I haven't seen one of them in 20 years. But when you get into adjustment, um, adjustment, a number of things come into play. Um, The most important thing is the brake chamber size. They are sized. The clamp, which is by far the most common, size 12, 16, 20, 24, and 30. So as an officer, I have to determine what size chamber that is because the size of the chamber will dictate the legal length or adjustment limit they're allowed to have. And then you get into chamber sizes and you also get into long stroke chambers and regular stroke chambers. Some people call them short stroke. Some people call them regular stroke. It's just long stroke versus regular stroke. And if it's a long stroke, you get a little extra. So, um, you know, looking under the hood of many trucks and trailers, and some chambers have taken some beatings over the years and they can get rusty and corroded. You know, some they are marked, you can't always read them. You have to get into measuring. But once you determine the size of the chamber, um, it's right in the out of service criteria. It does give a good chart based on the brake type of what your maximum legal limit is on the travel. So
1: you'll find two charts in the post that houses this podcast at overdriveonline.com. I'll put a link to that post in the show notes for those of you listening on a podcast player. Those charts detail max legal stroke for the most common type 20, 24, and 30 chamber sizes, both regular stroke clamp and long stroke clamp variations.
0: To check the brake adjustment, I'd go in a truck, build the air up to about 100 PSI, shut it down, release the brakes. Of course, the wheels are chocked. And then I would go back and I would take my little chalk and I would chalk every push rod as it's fully or mainly or fully in inside the chamber or at the edge of the chamber. If I have the benefit of having a driver handy, which I, I still do these, but for the most part, I do them on my own. I don't have somebody there. I have to use uh, blocks of wood and things to, to put the brakes on. If, right. if I had you there, I'd say, okay, Todd, go ahead, apply, hold the brakes full application. And then I would measure the distance that the push rod came out of the chamber. And there's the length limit. So a type 30 break off right off the top of my head is a maximum stroke of two inches. So I know right off, the, off my head, it's two inch maximum.
1: If it's a long...
0: If, if, if you're at long, two inches, you're... If leaked. it's a long clamp,
1: though, uh, it's two and a half, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah.
0: The long strokes, you yeah. you get more. Yeah. And the, and the, the out-of-service book does show a different chart for long stroke. So it's important that if someone is questioning this, that they themselves know what size and stroke of chamber they have. It is not one size fits all. I would say the type 12 and 16 chambers are rare. I see them very occasionally. 20s and 24s are very common on a steer axle. And 30s are very common everywhere else. The drives and trailers, very common long strokes um they're out there they're not everywhere but i've even seen brand new trucks that do not come with long strokes and i always encourage people if you have a need or a reason to change out your chambers i'm not saying spend the money just to do it for the sake of doing it but if you ever have a reason to change them out go to long strokes get a little extra travel there um but i'll check that that distance and in a type 30 brake two inches is legal it's maximum but it is legal. I cannot complain. It's not a violation. If you exceed two inches, you're starting to get into violation. So DOT requires that a minimum of an eighth of an inch over to be counted at all. It must be at least an eighth of an inch beyond. So if I have two and a 16, it's not a violation. It just isn't. It has to meet that one eighth. Minimum right. of an eighth. So what happens if I get an eighth of an inch over? I have a Type Thirty brake. I have a, I have two and an eighth uh, travel. Well, that's considered a half a brake. It's not a full brake. It's a half a brake.
1: That's a half break so, in violation.
0: Yeah. Okay. A half a brake is a violation. A half a brake will never ever by itself put a truck out of service. It can't. It has to be added to another half or full break to do anything. So I get a break and I get a half a break violation. I keep going, checking the other brakes and I find another one, an eighth of an inch over. So I have a half a break. I have a half a break. I do add them together. I now have one full break out of adjustment. If I was on a two axle truck, one full break out of four would be 25%. The standard is 20. 20% or more that truck would be out of service on brake adjustment
1: you know when we start talking about a tractor uh, that's uh, three axles um, <clears throat> six brakes
0: correct yeah. you have 10 your typical five axle truck tractor combination is 10 yeah so in yeah. order to put a typical tractor trailer out of service one full breakout somewhere and another full breakout somewhere or it could be four half brakes
1: or oh, four half brakes yeah four so halves, now it equal yeah 20% yeah, yeah
0: there you get your 20% if you have three half brakes not out of service no yeah. it's a violation i would write it up axle 1 brake axle 2 brake axle 3 brake each one of them is a half it's a violation yes i i could not legally put the truck out of service for a brake adjustment it's close what, what if they were all on the tractor though and not there's the times that you know, I could have two brakes out on the tractor and the trailer is good to go. And what I would do is say the truck is out, but the trailer is not.
1: Is that common for, is that common for people to do that? Uh, For inspectors to do that, put the truck out of service and not the.
0: If the truck. Can you consider
1: them separately? I mean, can you do do that? Yeah. Okay.
0: But there, I do consider them separate. Um, But there is a time we merge them. So to get to 20%, if. Todd's driving a five axle truck tractor and trailer combination. You have a full break out on the truck and you have a full break out on the trailer. You have 20% out on the combination because two out of 10 is 20%. So that's called a combination out of service. So I would tell the driver, the truck and trailer are out as a couple as a pair. Yeah. So what would happen then if the driver said, okay, officer, I get you. I would put an out-of-service decal on each. What if you disconnect the truck? Now you only have one breakout out of three axles. You don't meet the 20%. You'd say, well, I can drive the truck off. No. Once a vehicle's been put out, before it can leave, anything and everything that contributed to the out-of-service has to be fixed. Even if you couldn't uncouple and drive off, he would have to fix both in order to leave. so, but there are times I put just a truck out. The trailer was good, or other way around. The truck's good, and the trailer's out of service. They I, mean, can I guess it day. only
1: takes a. It probably only takes a. Well, take a, take a single break to put a trailer out of service, eh?
0: Well, um, full break. If one out of four yeah. would be twenty five percent, then yes.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: But that's where the trailer now it had to be a full break, not a half. Yeah. So if you have that type thirty brake at two and a quarter, that's considered a full brake at a quarter over. Yeah. Then, that's correct. That would meet the. That would be twenty five percent of a typical trailer with two axles. Yeah. And the trailer would be out, and the truck could leave.
1: It's good. good information on the uh, on finding the, the type the brake type when they put the the stroke. Uh, Stroke measurement. No, that's the, the measurement on the on the on the plate on I'm looking at it so here it on the on the plates on the chamber, right? Yeah.
0: Um yeah. you don't see that very often. Okay. More often what you'll see is a little plastic tag, a little trapezoidal tag. Yeah. And I'll tell you it'll show for a type 30 break, and it'll show 2.50 inches. And you're gonna think, well. That's my maximum stroke. It's not. Yeah. No, the manufacturers aren't helping here. There's a legal man- maximum stroke. There's a manufacturer's maximum stroke. So whenever you see that little plastic tag, and I've seen them recently, 2.50, subtract a half inch to get to your legal maximum. Right. So that's a two-inch brake stroke. And if you look in manufacturer's data, it'll say... It typically will say legal maximum is two point two and a quarter. Manufacturer says two and a half, but the manufacturer stroke isn't what works out along the road. The legal maximum stroke is the winner, which is what you would find right in the out of service criteria. So the the general DOT regulations, for the most part, don't even get into out of service at all. They just don't. Once in a while, there's some reference to vehicles should not be driven, that sort of a thing. The out-of-service is a formal legal declaration, can only be done by a certified DOT officer. The average officer cannot put a truck out of service. Now, they could declare a vehicle unsafe to drive and use another state law to kind of accomplish the same goal. But the end result of an out-of-service order is if somebody chooses to violate it, the penalties are pretty severe. As compared to an officer just saying, hey, your car is unsafe to drive. Don't drive it. Right. Or truck. It, it, there's a difference. And as a, as a DOT officer, I was asked to go to other jurisdictions, and I did have statewide authority. And I could go to another jurisdiction, look at a truck, and say, hey, that truck's out. Put my out-of-service decal on it, tell the driver, that truck's out-of-service, you cannot move it till it's fixed, and I'd leave. Right. And, and I really was not an officer in that area, but I had that ability. So right. that out of service is a pretty strong declaration with some pretty strong penalties built into it. If the driver were to violate it.
1: We've done a fair amount of kind of how to sort of coverage on, on just, you know, the, the basic uh, routine maintenance around slack, adjust, automatic slack adjusters and all comes kind of, I think it comes down to greasing basically. Right.
0: Yes, lubrication. Kinda... lubrication of slack adjusters is by yeah. far the biggest, the best thing any company can do to keep them working properly. If they right. are not lubricated, there's a lot of dirt and grime underneath any truck, yeah. and it'll work its way in. There's a worm gear inside that slack adjuster. If they're not well lubricated, they start to bind up, and they don't work. And so I would tell somebody, hey, you're out of service on brakes. And they would ask, can a mechanic come out and adjust them? I'd say, yes, they they can do that. However, if all you're going to do is adjust them, it might take a week or 10 days, and they'll go right back out of adjustment again. It will Mm -hmm. not hold. You cannot fix a brake adjustment issue by simply adjusting the brakes and and it Mm -hmm. lasts. I, I compare it to a very slow leak in a tire. You can pump up a tire and it may hold air for a while, but you're going to have to keep pumping air because yeah, it's going to fix it. Loose. And yeah. once slack adjusters stop doing their job, the only cure is to replace them. Yeah. You can keep manually adjusting them. They're not intended for that. They're not, to, they shouldn't be messed with. is a sign that they're starting to go. They need yeah. to. So hey, when man. I go underneath the truck and I see obvious signs of greasing, there's a grease nipple on there. I know, you know, and they just flood them with grease until it kind of pours out. Then hopefully they wipe off the excess. That's a good sign that they're after. And and really, you know, three months, 50,000 miles, maybe six months at the most, but they should see some regular lubrication. And they'll last several years, but there's nothing on that truck that'll last forever. Mm -hmm. Tires don't last forever. Brake linings don't last forever. Neither do slack adjusters. When a driver starts, hey, you got brake adjustment issues. That may be a clue. It may be time to replace them.
1: Right. So the majority of our readers are running drum drum brakes um, with these kinds of setups, but uh, there's a, there's a significant share that are moving to disc as well. How do the how do the various out of service criteria? relate to disc brakes
0: and, when, and what's when the, you look in the out of service criteria for disc brakes, there isn't much, right. there's actually very little, um, the rotor, the condition of just the components. I mean, there isn't near as many opportunities for there to be a violation or an issue on a disc brake as compared to a good old fashioned clamp brake. Right. Um, so if I, if someone were to ask me, well, you know, which would you recommend? you know, if you want the less potential violations or to be shut down, the discs would appear to be the way to go. I mean, there's just not much, many parts and pieces to go bad. And I've seen disc brakes. Maybe they haven't been around long enough. And, you know, a lot of the discs starting to crack or rust excessively. They just, they just last. There's a lot longer of a lifespan compared to the typical drum brakes and the typical clamps type brake components so it you know that's what I said the the largest out-of-service section in the whole book is is brakes which is true but in there the hydraulics are very there's a very only a very few violations on hydraulic brakes but not many have hydraulics and there's just a very few on the discs there's just not much there
1: when we're talking about the outer service criteria, other than what we've mentioned here, I know there's a lot more to it uh, on brakes than just the adjustment section and, and the, the, the few things sure, we've talked break, about here. What, what, else, what else is in there? Anyone?
0: So, um, a, a leak in brake chamber. Okay, That's a problem. Uh, brake chambers have rubber diaphragms in them. They're exposed to cold and heat and cold and heat. Over time, they can develop cracks and splits. They can start leaking um few drivers know how to check for that um honestly the easiest way to check is not something a driver is required to do but that really takes someone being underneath the truck while the brakes are applied which an individual oh, wow. would be hard pressed to do
1: yeah
0: and honestly that is not part of a pre-trip but all, drivers could you know build air up shut the truck down release the parking brake stand on the brake pedal and lean out the door and listen if it's not a noisy environment. And if you can hear a steady leak with the brake pedal applied and then release, it stops, put the brakes on, more than likely you have a chamber leak. Chamber leaks are not good news. And they get worse with age. Uh, and, And I would have drivers, when I would pull them over, I would have them build the air up, engine running, pump the brakes down to about 60 PSI. I wanna see the low air warning sound, lights, visual, audible, I need to see something. If that low air warning does not work, they're out. Even though the brakes are fine, if the low air warning doesn't work, you're done, park it. So then once we hit low air at 60 PSI, I have them hold their foot steadily on the brake, engines running, not just idling, not revving it. And then I'm gonna time how long it takes to go from 60 PSI to say about 70. What I'm looking for is the low air warning to stop going off. So let's just say 70 is that number. So I need to see them climb 10 PSI in two minutes with their foot on the brake engine, just idling. The idea is if you have a significant enough leak, you can't recover. The compressor can't keep up because you're losing too much air due to air leaks. Now, if you have some minor leaks that will recover and two minutes is plenty of time. A brand new truck should recover in 15 seconds. Older truck takes a little longer, but you could have one significant leak or you could have add some small leaks together. You get to the point where the truck cannot build air. It'll just sit there. It won't build. And if Hmm. you can't build build your air back up, there's another out of service based on the leaks. Air leak, not at a connection. Air leaks are very common on trucks. They have many, probably hundreds of feet of airlines, depending and it's not uncommon to find a leak. And, and a leak alone is not, probably not an out-of-service. But if it's not at a connection, it's an out-of-service. But if it's at some sort of a connection, a T, right at the connection, it's, it's a violation, not an out-of-service. But if it's just a little bit away from that connection, think of a crack or split hose, yeah. or maybe road debris hit it. Good example, there's enough to shut somebody down even if they can build air, even if everything else works. But part of the reason when I'm underneath the truck and I'm checking adjustment and the brakes are applied, I'm also looking for air leaks. And I'm telling you, they can be a bugger to find sometimes. I literally use a piece of uh, rubber tubing about two or three feet long and I use it like a stethoscope. And I put it up to my ear and I poke it in because sometimes I'm telling you, those leaks can be very hard to find. Uh, so, there's a lot of brake components as far as the nuts and bolts of literally the securement of the pieces. They shouldn't be moving around. They can't be missing like cotter pins, things like that, cracks in how it's mounted. There's a lot of other peats and part, which I don't see too much of that. I really don't. I mean, I know it's there. It's pretty rare to see some missing components um, that the, the brake may be functioning, but there's missing nuts and bolts and cotter pin type thing that secure the pieces in place. And right. I guess they're, they're, the thought is, hey, at some point this is going to fall off.
1: And those kinds of things are, I would imagine, something very easily seen on a pre-trip, right? So easily, easily caught and fixed before it uh, becomes an issue. Well, uh, yes and no, Blair said, delivering this little bit of perhaps unconventional wisdom about the value of third party inspections we've heard many talk about in the past. Still, in most cases, probably true that value yet.
0: I don't wanna beat up on mechanics, so I won't, but mechanics don't look for what I look for. They just don't because I've gone through trucks that just went through a state inspection or a federal annual and I found stuff. And I get it and I'm not gonna beat up on them. I think they are not as familiar with the out of service. They're familiar with fixing stuff that's broken Right. They don't look for stuff that's maybe getting there. Kind of, I mean, I would say a, a worn tire should be pretty easy to spot. But in the brake, you know, like a cracked brake lining, cracks are not automatically out of service. You got to tell me more. Is it more than an inch and a half in length? That would be one of the criteria. So if it's an inch and a half exactly in length, it's not out of service. It has to be more than an inch and a half. Yeah. But it's going you know, to be, if it's, if
1: it's an inch and a half now, it's going to be more than
0: an inch and a half exactly. very soon. Yeah, and no I would tell them, look, it's not an out of service, but I'm letting you know, you've got it about an inch and a half crack there. And if it gets any worse and you get stopped, you're going to get shut down for it. So maybe now's the time to make sure. Now I would write it up as a violation, but it would not be an out of service. Right. So um, any crack... Uh, more than a 16th of an inch wide that's not very big it doesn't take much um to get a 16th of an inch wide brake linings you know quarter inch uh for two piece and three eighths if it's a single strip there's a lot of there's a lot of things that well it depends what the equipment is to determine where I go with that. But generally a quarter inch is your minimum in lining thickness. So a quarter inch, you still have lining, but you know, you're getting down there. Um, and the front, the steer axles, when when you hit the brakes, the steer axles do a lot of the braking forces thrown to the front. So those front brakes are gonna take a lot of wear and tear.
1: No coincidence, maybe. The Turco first went to air disc brakes as standard equipment, guess where? On the steer axle. Um.
0: So anything that's loose, there's all sorts of missing, broken uh, return springs, anchor pins, cam roller, camshaft, clevis pins. If, if if any of them is missing, you're out. Um, the adjustment is pretty much where your twenty percent rule. The rest of this is going to be an individual item, regardless of the twenty percent. So. You could have one breakout on a five-axle combination and say, you're not out of service on adjustment, but you're out of service because your brake chamber is loose. It's not secure, so it's obviously not going to work. We're not going to work well. So, um, you know, the brake lining's contaminated with oil. I've seen that. Like, there's a hub leak, and that's why a hub leak isn't out of service. That's not a brake thing so much. But on the exterior, if I can see fresh oil leaking off the hub, that's going to be an out. But if that oil gets into the linings, the linings are done for. You know, you yeah. depend on friction to stop and you get oil in there, you may have some braking, maybe not much, but that oil soaked lining, especially on a steer axle can be a big issue. When you really hit the brakes and your one is braking and your other is not, you're going to get that pull, which is one of the tests that uh, someone's getting their CDL has to do for me is they have to do a, a brake test that involves checking for that at five miles an hour. Adjustment is still probably number one, by far. Um, But missing pieces of the brake lining, it gets broke off, Um, maybe hit something, maybe how it's riveted, there was a defect in the manufacturer lining and a piece just broke. Uh, There's things like that that can contribute to something like that. There's just a lot and it's just something, and I have it out here in front of me. you know, how many pages of things here uh, right. apply. So the air disc brakes, there's one, there's about five different sections here. Um, and I to date have never had an occasion to to put an air brake, tr- air disc brake truck out of service. I haven't seen anything that would cause it. Very few issues in that realm. So, you know, if someone's specking a truck, I would encourage them to look at the air disc brakes because, I'm just not seeing the issues. When I look at them, I I've yet to find anything wrong. I'm sure maybe as time goes by, a little more things will happen. Uh, but they're pretty good systems. The, the tried and true clamp breaks, they've been around for decades. It's kind of that, if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. They're very good. They're very reliable, but there's a little more upkeep and maintenance check on them. Um, You know, if you get a roadside inspection and you're told something is wrong, it's probably is. Um, Somebody needs to look at it. But, you know, I went to California a year and a half ago. I did a two day seminar to a group of mechanics, just mechanics. And we went through the out of service criteria book, the mechanical violations, not the out of service driver stuff. We went through every page in this book. I did over 600 slides of pictures. I tried to show a picture of every violation. Here's what this looks like. Here's something you guys should look for. And you guys should have the same book. So when you're doing your, your PMs or inspections and you think, yeah, I wonder if that might be an out of service. And, and you know, can I let it go or should mm-hmm. I fix it? Should I call the customer and say, look, you have a two inch crack in your brake lining. Your brakes work fine. But if you get stopped, I can tell you because that's more than an inch and a half, you're going to get shut down. What would you like me to do? So this particular company actually notes on their repair order, called customer advised of, you know, apparent violation, suggested that they have this item repaired, fixed, replaced. They declined. So if someone were to come back, they can say, we told them that, you know, you guys should get this fixed. And we believe it's an out of service violation because they had to book. And the great thing about the out of service book is even if I needed, I had a question about tires and I went to the tire section and I determined it's not here. It's not out of service. It tells me that the tire section is 393.75. Then I know where to go look in the regular DOT ranks to see if it falls under any sort of a violation. Great book, great information, easy to read. Um, not complex, but you do have to know a little bit about the components when you're looking at parts and pieces. Yeah. You know What's a slack adjuster? What's a push rod? What's a brake chamber? Um, yeah. Different parts that, that you need to be familiar with. But what I can tell you is, especially anything air brake or braking system, um, you know, CSA assigns points. Yeah. And the points are based on the likelihood of causing an accident. So a fire extinguisher being discharged is pretty low in the total total. The brake system stuff is certainly higher. The out-of-service triples the CSA points. And on top of that, your brakes are kind of what you really, really, really want to work. You really want to have a good system, and you really want to keep after it. And if it starts to have some issues, you want to get it taken care of. Because a good braking system perhaps is the difference between coming to a nice stop or not being able to stop and rear-ending somebody in a big truck. It all goes back to, even if you go, you're in an accident and the police say, driver or company, you have no violations, this other person ran the red light, ran the stop sign, it's their fault, no violations on the report. That is absolutely not illegal exoneration from getting sued. Right. In this day and age of litigious society, if a commercial vehicle is involved in a serious crash, typically serious, much less fatal, the chances of being sued are pretty significant. Even if the police say, hey, you're, you're not at fault. You did nothing wrong. They're going to go back to that driver qualification file. They're going to have somebody come out and go through that truck with a fine tooth comb, looking to see if they can find anything that makes this company look bad. The truck should have been on the road. Uh, they had brake. You know they'll make it sound like air brake system violations when maybe you had a brake an eighth of an inch out of adjustment which yes it's a violation it's not an out of service and they'll try and make a big big issue out of something like that which chances are it has no impact um, and I would even doubt the driver would pick up on Right. So a lot of incentives to do the right thing and keep after these brake systems. And anytime, you know, there's a roadside inspection that's showing issues with the brake system to pay attention yeah. and, and be aware of it. And I really encourage companies to get their own copy of the out of service criteria, you know, so when they see a roadside inspection and it isn't really clear what the violation was um, between the federal regs in the out of service book, it should be able to explain more specifically. You know, you won't find in the DOT regs about the brake lining crack. It'll just say unsafe conditions. Well, that doesn't explain very much. Here it tells you the exact dimensions that I would look for. Right. And I would literally measure it and I would literally hold my little measuring stick up and and take a picture of it showing, you know, the length of the crack because. I know I've been to court a few times, you know, you better have some uh, pictures or good evidence. And I would also encourage companies that if they get stopped and, you know, they're saying there, there's a violation to put out of service, tires, brakes, anything they can take a picture of, please yeah. take pictures. Please get pictures right down in there. Don't drive a thousand miles and take pictures, right? Take them right away and take more than necessary, you know, I felt companies that the officer said it was a type 20 chamber and it was a 20 long stroke as I went and personally looked at the truck. And I was able to take a bristle brush and clean off the chamber to the point I could see the letter L (laughs) and I knew it was a long stroke. They wrote it up as a 20 regular stroke. That quarter inch of travel made all the difference.
1: Thanks for hanging in and to Andy Blair for so much of his time. If you're out on the road this coming week or if you're just hearing this and brake safety week is fully underway, or done, what have you seen in terms of activity? What did you do in terms of preparation, if anything? What's your brakes maintenance approach generally? Dial into our podcast line at 530-408-6423 anytime to weigh in with a message, story tip, or, heck, just to say hi. We hope to hear from you. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from social media coordinator Holly Young, news editor Matt Cole, and executive editor Alex Lockie. Until next time, everybody keep it pro out there.